Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos and I'm joined with my co-host, Luke Badman. How you doing, brother? What's going on? It's good to see you in flesh and then be back on the show. It's been really, <laughs> really cool. Yeah, we spent the weekend um, up at uh, a really cool seminar um, by Pat Stewart, who I'm sure most people who listen to this um, would know who that is when we mention that name. Um, and if not, I would encourage you to go and look him up because- we just spent three days learning from him and like a lot of really cool stuff we took away from it, right? Sure, totally. It was an awesome seminar. I've been to Pat's seminar two and a half years ago. And mm, just before be- COVID, that would have been, right? Yeah, I guess it so. was. Yeah, it yeah. was like just before COVID, like probably three or four months before. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a good time and lots of techniques had been improved on my end from, you know, being exposed to to the system that he teaches Going again was really cool because obviously, I, you know, it was just I was able to, you know, get a bit more deeper in the weeds, me personally, from how he trains specifically. Um, but it was really refreshing, as we are just sort of speaking before off air, was to be in a room full of dog trainers, everyone's dog that comes out. We're talking about, I want to fix my dogs. My dog barks when we're doing dancing with dogs. And as soon as we do a, this particular spin, the dog barks and we want to stop that. And it's like, wow, really cool. Obviously, the whole set thing wasn't about um dancing with dogs but that was one of the things or or my dog you know does a peculiar behavior and we want to make it better but if any everyday person was watching the dogs like nothing's wrong with these dogs these dogs are all amazing and beautiful so to be in a place where everyone's dog is where everyone every one of our clients basically want their dogs to be teaching and working on advanced obedience and advanced training is always really really exciting it was so good. Like, um, not to just make this the We Love Pat show this week, but like, um, we can dedicate it. You can there. see so how, how much work has gone into it. And like, I, um, I purchased his, you know, the, the, re- the, his, his, his online course, which was just the recording of the seminar you went to last time. Yeah. Um, and it, like, for sure, there's some stuff that's similar, but you can see how much it's evolved in the three totally. years. And like he openly said that he's like, you know, like Remy's six, his dog Remco, right? Remy, um, the Malinois, you know, he's like six years old now. And he's, he was saying like, I'm six years better at raising dogs now than I was when I got Remy, right? Totally. And that's, that's kind of a theme, right? Is like the, as dog trainers and um, professionals, you know, we, we're constantly evolving or that's what we should be doing, right? Hundred percent. You know, it's um, it's well. I guess you'd say even from this show, you know, we're about two and a half years old or something like that. We're coming and up on three years. Far out. That's in crazy. August, I think it is. Yeah. That is crazy. So yeah. I'm sure people have seen our progress, especially you. You know, you you know knew zero about dogs. Now you know enough to be able to teach it, mm-hmm. and that's a real cool. You know, like what did you know two and a half years ago? To, compared to now and yeah, the crazy. same thing happens you've been doing it for you know 10 years and five years down the track you should we should be better than where you were 10 years ago so i, I guess hope so <laughs> you'd hope so right um 100 so i did a coaching call actually with um a client um in canada the other day and um 
he said the same thing. He's like, man, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and I've listened to all the, epi- all the episodes and he's like, it's interesting to see both of you guys, Panos and Luke, but I guess he's like, particularly you, Luke. Um, yeah, like like you said, I probably knew zero, which was kind of the reason I, because I always had an interest in dogs and I was like, this is a good opportunity to learn more about dogs to do this yep. podcast together. Um, and here we are three years later and, you know, I still don't, there's still so many things I don't know, but like, I'm learning. 100%. You know, so look, it, it brought me to thinking about this quote. It was an Abraham Lincoln quote. He says, if I only had one hour to chop down a tree, I'd spend 45 minutes sharpening the axe. Mm. And I think that's really important that we think about, you know, of course, before doing any project or task, make sure that you're fully well equipped. But also while you're on, you know, I think the next job that I go to, I've, I've never, let's just say I've never seen these people before. It was my, you know, 10 years, for example, of experience coming at the back of into that one and a half hour session, you know, whatever it is, you've only been doing it for three years and you have that three years experience going into that one and a half hour session. So every session that you go to every, every new day is that you're still sharpening your techniques, you're, and, you know, talking about sharpening the sword as being the episode um, topic is that, we all want to be able to use our tools, but if we're not maintaining them and sharpening them, then what's the point of of yeah of of you? Well, like obviously you could still use it, but it's not using it as its most effect efficient and effective way possible. I actually, I like I started, you know, I started my NDTF course um, as as lockdown was happening. Like it was like it was like um, I think the week of the first like the first outbreak in Australia. Like we're talking April twenty twenty was when I started the NDTF. And so there's, there's been no seminars for the entire time that I've been about dogs. So this was really like my first opportunity to go to something like that. And to, like you said, to sharpen, um, sharpen the sword of learning. Right. Um, which was, it was a really cool experience. Right. And I was super grateful to to like be, be able to participate. It was really, really good. Look, one thing about being in, you know, being involved with like technology, YouTube land and everything else is that, we can constantly be learning new things just by listening to podcasts, watching videos. And that's one thing. And of course, I know it's not the same as being in the flesh, 100%. However, you know, when it was like, you know, I've been to like, I couldn't tell you how many seminars and that when information was like harder to come by, let's just say 10 years ago, YouTube existed, but nothing like what it is now. And going to the the seminars, like, oh my God, I've never heard of that in my whole entire life. This is like blowing my brains apart. And one thing that I felt coming back from seminars is coming home going, I know nothing, what's wrong with me? I have to change everything. That was so much better. And it would paralyze me for like a week. And it would be like, a, I think it would be like a weird week of training because I'm probably mm. trying these new things or something. Or, and I think that was just probably being overwhelmed and being overly excited probably. Yeah. And then of Plus course- you were, you were pretty young too as well at that point, right? Like, Well, yeah, you question everything about your reality in your 20s. Mm. I guess that's a, I guess that's a point this, of the right? like, let's say there's, Let's say there's 50 to 100 people in that room if every single person had a, you know, in that room gave their own seminar, they'd probably be doing a almost completely different thing, right? And so there's like, there's more than one way to train a dog. Totally. We all know that. Exactly. Right. And so we can learn from each other, right? You learn and, and learn the best methodologies and, and change and add things to our own toolkit, right? And that's exactly. what in the sword is. It's like more tools in the toolkit. Exactly. And make sure that those tools, those metaphorical tools are the sharpest or the mo- or they're greased up, everything's working and that you're revising your stuff. Because I guess what could happen is 
yes, I've been doing this for 25 years. And it's like, yeah, but you've been saying the same thing over and over again and nothing's improved. Like what if you had the perfect system? It's not really, like, I guess I don't like to be, uh, this is the system that I use or this is the method that I use because I don't know if there is one way of doing it. I think it's more about learner mindset, learn as much of the topic so you can be adaptable to each and every dog and client combination that you see. And I think that's the most important because you need to gather the skills to be like, I haven't seen a combination like this in a while and hopefully you tackle it better. And it could be that, you know, I think I'm still saying the same thing over and over again. It's not like my the story of training dogs has changed even if I saw a video from five years ago, literally, I'd be like, yeah, I say, I say the same things, but not in the same isn't that, way. Isn't that one of the reasons you started the podcast? So you could not, so you didn't have to say the same thing over and over again, like, hey, listen to this episode. <laughs> That's exactly true, right? No, in terms of like explaining the thing, but you, the thing that you develop is if you can learn a, a greater mindset of, of training dogs, of manipulating behaviors, once you know more of it and different perspectives of it, the way that you explain it is not really the same because the timing of when you say something is important or when you give advice. So I think all of those, you know, those finer details is what I would focus on more when I, when I'm learning something new to add to the dog training, I don't want to come back going, Oh my God, everything needs a change. It's like, look, I took four, five, six points from that. And that's enough that I can implement into my way of, of expressing my training. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I get it. And, and it's essential, you know, if you want to be a practitioner, a trainer, a coach or whatever it is, it's learning new skills or even just m- wanting to maintain what you do, get different perspectives and keep learning those new skills. I think that's so important. And it's so tough. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this new thing with Chili because we want to improve his heel command. And I've been giving some advice that's work around with it. When you do it, it's not like I do anything different. It's just putting the laser I guess not the laser bike, put the magnifying glass on top of it and go, let's get real nitty gritty about what we want to work on here. I think that was really cool. And that was something that I took from, from the seminar as well. Agreed. Perspective of other trainers and system and, and is always the most troubling as well. Right. Because it's like, well, I would work, I would fix this by doing that. And then someone says, Oh, you can probably fix it by doing this. And you're like, no, but that's not the same. But then when you say it work out, you think, Oh, damn. That's interesting. A different spin or a different take to the um, to applying or to getting the same behavior. I think it's so fascinating that someone can do it different and still get the same result. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you look, Pat. It was cool know, too because it was not just dog trainers in that um, in that seminar. So there's people there who had invested their time and money to participate who were just you know, maybe aspiring trainers. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, to be fair, what is a trainer, right? But like they're training their own dogs, mm-hmm. um, but just like super interested in the whole idea of training dogs and and whether or not they're doing it to other people's dogs, like wanting to build that relationship with their own dog and, and, and know, you know what I mean? How the dog thinks, how the dog learns and how to best activate that dog and, and build power you know power into the dog's behaviors through what what we were you know what pat was teaching us look i think so pat said at the beginning of, of his seminar is that if there was a if there was a name for this seminar i'll be teaching dogs to do really cool things <laughs> yeah right? was, like he was like the seminar for people who want to do really cool stuff with their dogs or something like that like exactly. it's probably a little bit tongue-in-cheek and but it but it was like 
It's totally it's true. Exactly it was like that, teaching, te- how to use negative reinforcement essentially to activate and to build pressure. Uh, sorry, to, to, to build power, I should say, um, in the dog's behavior, using it for activation, right? Exactly. A hundred percent. And we're talking about sport dogs and in particular working on dogs that like to do the protective sports and the advanced obedience sort of side of things. So, of course, we could take those, like the how he implements sport and work training and putting that into, well, how do I work on better obedience? And when I'm working with rewarding my dog with the ball and with the tug, in, let's just say in particular, we want to get that high drive intensity and the intense game from our dog but we also want precision and clarity and keeping the dog motivated without losing his mind, but also doing things very specifically, you know, that's very technical. And for the everyday person will be like, I don't even know what the hell I'm even watching here. So everyone in that room is, I want my dog to be the best because I compete my dog. I work my dog. I do something specific. It's like a, the, we'll call it the real dog trainer, like the real dog trainer to teach a dog to do something specific where uh, us as dog trainers would be, trying to fix behaviors so that they dogs are more livable. And then of course we have to Im- implement obedience training and all these, you know, sophisticated and complex ideas and try to water them down into something that's pragmatic enough for someone to do. And it actually works. You know, you don't have to tell them about why the pressure and what it does before giving the command. And you can give them a little bit of a taste of how to use pressure and how negative reinforcement works, but to go too deep is just ridiculous. And everyone knows that. But to yeah, they teach, just glaze. They just glaze over if you. It, get it makes too, no sense. Yeah. It's too much. It's like it's like you're with a personal trainer and he's talking about muscle group, like the actual names mm. of the muscle groups. You're like, what are you talking That's about? That's what I really enjoy about se- that. Like, what a big part of what I enjoyed about seminar that seminar, and I guess just not just Pat's seminar, but like the concept of seminars in general is like just getting real nerdy about dog training. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we don't. Like for you and I, our day to day is um, is pet pet owners, right? And so you you get the occasional pet owner who's like pretty clued in, and that's yep. that's fun. But a lot of what we do is simplifying um, theory and and you know that kind of thing, simplifying the science and explaining it in a way that is not too technical. And something that you can go, oh, so that that's how I can get my dog to come back to me better. Yeah. It's like whatever you teach has to be very direct um, to the thing and to, all right, my dog pulls on the lead, doesn't come when you call and barks at the door. All right, cool. Well, we're going to, and, and of course, there's many different variables of what is involved to make your dog want to listen to you, focus on you, want to train. But let's just teach people the whys. Let's teach them a little bit of that tech, technicality. But I guess- like, so for example, all right, there's a few things that we learned over the weekend and in the last couple of days, I've been implementing a little bit. And it's not like I'm radically changing anything because I was kind of doing the thing, but I had a bit more of an understanding to, and it's like, how, how about we put the pressure at the same time we say the name in this particular situation and reward at this time. And I did it today with the dog that looked, never ever has, has he looked up um, properly when we're in front of another dog, like focusing on me. And I gave my client today two extra little tips to improve her game, and we got it a lot quicker than what we would have had probably last week. Using so a little like, bit of also, pressure, just it, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't even like because it wasn't like she wasn't doing those things, mm. but I was able to explain it for her to understand it better. And I'm like, okay, oh, so cool. how did you? What was different about your explanation? 
Well, anyway, like she kind of sucks handling the leash. Like <laughs> that, well, that's a given, right? And we did put, and she was supposed to be on the slip lead and we had the slip lead on last time, but something was happening and the one that she had wasn't good enough and it was like hurting her. So then she went back to the martingale. So there's a few things that were inconsistent. And of course, the way that she leaves the house, the dog gets overexcited. By the time we get out to the street, there's cats and whippersnippers and, and he's a border collie. So he wants to chase absolutely anything that moves. So she's trying to get the dog's focus too late. We want to make sure the dog is calm and do some obedience at the top of the steps before we even get down to the driveway because that transitional space is somewhere where her dog always just runs to the front and then and he does behaviors at the end of the driveway he'll do them all but that transitional space is somewhere where the dog's never done anything which means he winds up just before they can even go for the walk so of course we slow the dog down working on some obedience just at the top and down the stairs before we were able to go onto the street before we started to go for a walk so of course it wasn't like I told her to do that one thing that changed because of what I learned, but it was she had to remind herself to keep a dog under threshold before she can even get her dog to do anything in front of any stimulus. But also there was one thing that that Pat was talking about. So we talk about escape and avoidance training. We talk about when, let's just say, for example, in this example, when I say, look, the dog doesn't look, and he knows, look, we apply some pressure, the dog looks at us, we release the pressure, and in this case, I mark and reward. I show the dog that when the pressure goes on, you will turn off the pressure. You will escape it by looking at us. We release. We all know that. And then, of course, over time, doing it correctly, we say the word look. The dog avoids that pressure. He looks up at us. We mark and reward. And so just practicing it. But then there was one thing that, that Pat said. So he goes, and I don't want to be too specific because this is what I took from it, is that you want the dog to have that aha moment when you say, look, and he goes, you didn't get to put pressure on me. And I'm like, I like that. And I'm asking yeah, the Yeah, he's saying right? like make it into a bit of a game, like who who beats who kind of thing. Exactly. And then, of course, there's times where I give the command, you chose not to look, we give that correction, and the dog's like, ah, damn it, I lost that one. And then he looks up. And there was a moment where he said, and I don't want to put too many words in his mouth, but he says, when the dog does it, even giving him a, a not like a correction, but a little pop at the same time you give the command kind of keeps the dog a little bit more like, hey, I didn't Sharper. get a chance yeah. to properly, um, even though it was it was a little bit delayed, I said, look, and then I gave it because I knew he wasn't going to do it anyway. Mm. But the point is, is that he says, I was so close to you saying, look. So then the next time I said, look, and Chili had walked a bit closer to him, which would have made it harder. I said, look, and he looked at me, but the dog didn't look with panic. It looked like, ha ha. It was like, he was excited to know that he avoided the correction and I also rewarded him. So I think it was really cool. Just, just a, there was one little sentence, one little technique that was able to just add on. And that's what I like. That's, that's the most important thing about any dog trainer that's listening to this is that don't ever be set going, this is how I do it. This is always how it's worked. Is that I'm not saying change it, but have you improve it? Like I've got tires on my car. Why do I need new tires? But if you get the all-terrain tires, maybe you can go a little bit off-road and on-road at the same time. You, it's like, wow, that's handy. You mentioned earlier, like, um, you know, um, previously, let's say going to seminars and then like uh, for a few days or whatever afterwards, like kind of like doubting how you'd been training dogs or whatever. Like, oh, I got to throw, yeah. throw this all out, this and that. I had a um, had an inquiry call today. And um, this poor woman, she's got like a leash reactive Labrador and she proceeded to tell me about all the, the trainers that she's had thus far. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still people out there telling people to like throw keys on the ground when their dog reacts and like, um, and then the, the other end of the spectrum is, um, you know, well, your dog's reactive. So just like, don't take him out for a walk because you don't want to put him in a situation where he, ha- where he reacts, just 
keep him in the house forever. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> like how, how can we be out here doubting, you know, the advice and the techniques that we're kind of handing out when there's still, there's still in 2022 dog trainers out there giving that as paid advice, like taking money from people and telling them to throw their keys on the ground when the dog reacts. Or- I think it's because it's 2022, we people are allowed to get away with that shit. <laughs> Look, I think obviously these people probably have no idea that they're doing it wrong. And if they knew that they weren't doing it as effectively and efficiently that they could be, would you think that they would want to change? No, and most I, people, I reckon, reckon no? full and well that that's bullshit and they're just just taking people's money. Okay. I, I'm too I'm very skeptical like that. And it could be. And I and you know what? And it could be like just just that. like just play it out in your mind. Like I said to the lady, I said, like how practical is that? But they but it could be laziness. It's like, look, I know there's better ways and I don't want to do it. So you reckon it's that, or like, no, this is the way that works because I know it works. If I throw the keys hard enough, it will stop. I don't know, man. It's just no, like there's some it's terrible, crazy, right? There's some terrible training going on out there. And none of those people, obviously, none of those people were at would ever even go to a seminar, right? And if that's they true, exactly. If they did, they wouldn't be handing out that kind of advice, right? So that's a good point. For sure. Look, I think something that's be more practical for the listener would be you could be the person that's seen five trainers just because you want someone to train your dog and you just have not had any good luck. Um and I'm sorry to hear that. And I've seen people, it's actually hardest. It's hard to see someone that's seen that many people because it's like, so like, what's that mean? And what do you do here? And, and like, I want to try to like continue your journey with where you're doing, but I don't know anything about what you're doing and I don't think you do. So I say to people, we're going to start completely fresh, fresh commands, fresh markers, and everything just starts as if you've never done dog training before. And we do that. Some, sometimes you have to do that. Others is that, look, we've done, re- we've had really good progress everywhere else, but we just struggle with this one, you know, the dog's bike reactive and we haven't been able to fix anywhere else. So then we have to kind of know, well, what are you doing at the moment? Cause I don't want to like destroy your communication skills. How can, what can we add on to fix it? And it could be difficult because, you know, everyone has a different kind of flair to their training, but I would say for the person that has seen a couple of trainers, don't dismiss every single person you've seen before. Cause I think about it from, let's just say my perspective, I've heard from, you know, in the past where someone has gone somewhere else and then they've mentioned, hey, we went here and everything got fixed. Just thought I'd let you know. And it's like, I'm so happy for you. That's so cool. But then to say that that other trainer did every single thing that fixed it isn't actually true because we laid a really good foundation. We did lots of really good stuff. And maybe I couldn't help you in one particular situation or maybe we didn't gel enough for you to understand or maybe, maybe I was incompetent. Who knows? And the other person was able to kind of fix that part of whatever it is that they were having issue. Would you dismiss everyone else you saw before? So I think it's important that even us as trainers, just because someone else has a different way of training, it doesn't mean, oh my God, I'm going to throw everything out because everything's ridiculous. It's that you need to know, no, I know this is my language and I'm going to add that little tiny bit more to make it sharper, more practical, more efficient. And I think that just comes with, I guess, experience, right? Because yeah, yep, exactly. It's like yourself. And you, you doubt yourself you, because you, you don't got think a, you've got ten years, more than ten years in the game now. So you've you've been around the block. You've Easier. seen heard all of this kind of stuff, mm. you know, multiple times. Or like you can watch someone train, and at the 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 way they moved and the way that they delivered something is the way that you saw the trainer pick it up, and then they mentioned that's like, oh yeah, I saw that too. And it was we're talking we're talking you know those millimeters rather than looking at the whole picture. So you know all these things are really important, and for anyone that is a trainer or 
someone who's enthusiastic about training, you know, go out there and see what, what else, if, because some people would, I feel would have so many other obligations in life is that, look, I just want something that's straightforward. I'm just going to listen to this podcast because it's the only, my only resource where I'm going to use and I'm just going to apply what I can. And that could work as well, except we're not going to cover every single thing. And we are biased to what we think has worked. We may have not tried things that we didn't know we haven't tried yet. And that's a problem. You know what I mean? So I think keeping that open mind is really important. And yeah, maybe those people that do throw keys at the ground or just tell people not to walk their dog, maybe they are so um, ignorant and arrogant. The worst type is the arrogant person who's ignorant, right? Is that they're so sure about they, they know everything is that they have no idea that they don't know anything at all. And I think it sucks for it sucks for the industry, and I think that's probably one of the notes we had here is like networking is most in, most needed for our growing industry as dog trainers. I think, or even just the pet industry, is that networking is a really important part of you know um going to seminars and you know being part of groups and things like that. Is that you know everyone trying to do it all on their own is ridiculous, and we have massive competition. We need, we need community, need it so bad, and I've been thinking about it in the last couple of days, like what. What is it that we need to do to maybe be more of part of a community and maybe that we need to do more or maybe that there isn't one that, you know, is local to us, you know, maybe New South Wales and we need to do more about that. Um, whatever it is, just putting that out there, planting the seed to be that, well, if you are a trainer and you don't have to be in New South Wales in anywhere in the world, you know, network with the people that are around you and don't see everyone as competition because we need to kind of cooperate and help each other because there's, there's more than enough you know, dogs for everyone. Well, and, and yes, exactly. But also there's heaps of people that are opposed to what we do and they don't understand what we do. You mean like as me, balanced trainers, right? As balanced trainers, yeah, mm. for sure. So we use tools, we use, you know, um, corrective devices to help that, control our yeah. dogs. That's a really good point too, because just because we are, um, you know, we identify as balanced trainers doesn't mean that, you know, all balanced trainers are the same. And there's definitely balanced out balanced trainers out there that are giving up giving the community a bad name as well. The same woman who was telling me about what that one end of the spectrum, you know, the force free spec- end of the spectrum was also telling me she went to another trainer who basically told her the only way to control your dog is to make the dog so afraid of you that he won't literally won't do anything else but like cower in fear. And I was like, holy shit, I can't but believe it. You know that. what? Like, and then saying that as well, like, because people have these weird accounts. I had one person, she said, yeah, Panos says something similar, like make, you know, be cruel so that your dog is scared. And I'm like, that never came out of my mouth. And I never said that. And actually, in fact, I don't even know what way, what you got from anything. Maybe is it because you saw me give a correction and you felt that the dog felt that way. So then that way that you projected, that can be a problem too. If we can be as a network together, we can kind of, a lot of that shit kind of, first of all, if someone said that about Luke, imagine someone said, Luke said he had to cower and be scared. It's like, just because he may have given him a correction and the dog had happened to have never gotten correction before and despite the behavior, but bounced back very quickly and was able to take food and wasn't shut down. He just was shocked by the correction. Does that mean that we have to, you know what I mean? Like that perspective and that perception is that you kind of see what you want. And I'm not doubting the fact that someone could have definitely said that for mm. sure. I always kind of want to see the two perspectives. Otherwise, we sh- if we shut ourselves off to anyone else, like it kind of shows that all three different trainers uh, 
heaps pathetic. What does that show about us then? It's like, oh, I'm not going to call a trainer then if they're all going to be brutes or um, airy fairy. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. That, I guess that's a that's your point, right? About yeah. balance trainers. For me, well, the true. balance means balance. I'd like, to, like I told a woman, I said 90%, 99% of what we do is, is you know, showing them what days. we want. Yeah, reinforcement. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know you, how many? How much punishment are you giving to dog each session? Yeah, it's like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I don't know, and people kind of see negative reinforcement as punishment. They would see mm. that as you know what I mean. But balance may maybe the problem is calling anything any name is a problem because names keep changing. I guess it just means like, but what 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 would be the remedy to that? Oh, I'm a balance trainer because I use all four quadrants of operant conditioning. Neg- positive and negative reinforcement, positive and negative punishment. We use all the same and in in a way that we use what's effective and what's least aversive and most desirable to the dog. And that doesn't mean that make the dog happy in every situation because a dog may be very happy chasing a cat and killing it, mm. like extremely happy. Mm. And for us to stop that would be best for the dog, best for the cat, best for the people. So, but having that network is so cool because having everyone together and going out to these and just having a chat and not just talking about dog training, but talking together is that I feel that especially people in the way that we train dogs, where one person out there, you know, maybe you have one person and a couple of people under you, but still, it still feels like very, like, you know, we're like lone wolves. And the problem with that, it doesn't mean that we have to hang out and all be under one company, but I think we need to stick together because if there's more popularity of dog training happening, and there's more people giving really bad advice, more dogs are, are to suffer. But also when tool, when legislation comes about where we want to ban certain tools and ban equipment and ban certain breeds, I guess the IACP kind of, you know, helps with, you know, the International Association of Canine Professionals. You know, they're helping with, you know, fighting this fight. Maybe, I guess maybe the, the remedy is there is a network and there's a community out there. Maybe we all need to jump on board. And I'm a member of the ISAP. So, um, and I believe in what they're doing. All right, we're back. We had some technical difficulties and our Wi-Fi shut off. But Good old um, Australian internet letting us down on, on a Thursday evening. As soon as my phone went to 5G, I've had zero reception everywhere. It's really? the worst. Oh, the worst. It's Isn't that fucking life. ironic? So ironic. You know, I was talking <laughs> about something about net, keeping networking. I was going on a tangent and a rant. Basically, that was one cool thing that I took from the seminar. And I guess that's one thing about sharpening the sword. And also, how do you know? What trainers are around if you're stuck with a problem and you need someone to help out and you feel that you can't help this client and being humble enough to be like, hey, I don't know what to do here. Maybe you need to get someone else's opinion. Then how do you know who's around if you don't reach out and hang out and go to the same things? And, you know, I'm pretty blessed to, you know, me and me and you are blessed to be a part of the um, the network and community of dog trainers that we're a part of. I think it's a re- we're very fortunate for that. Um but I think it's really important. And if you are it a is, trainer, you know, it reach is. It's out. cool to be in a room full of 80, 80 people who'd all, you know, decided to give up their weekends and and Pat included like three mm-hmm. day seminar um, to, to go and like really, like I said earlier, like really nerd out and, and learn about how to do cool shit with your dog. Because ultimately, like that's why I got into dog training. Totally. Hey, look, I was going to say, talking about networking, if there's anyone, 
any trainers out there that are keen to come on the show as a guest, you know, we're always, we, we've been trying our hardest to keep getting guests on, but we need to bloody agree on doing a day that works in our busy life schedules too. <laughs> but we, we, we want to get more guests on. And if you're keen, you get like, Hey, I've got something to say about dog training that you guys haven't mentioned or, or whatever. Um, where we want more people to listen and we, we yeah, search yeah. our people and ask people, but also be nice. And also not the real random, random emails that we get about you would like this guest, but you can see like, it's kind of spammy. Yeah. Um, just tell us that you're not spamming that you're genuine human being and go, Hey, I really want to come on the podcast. And hit us up on Instagram. Awesome. Cause like the guys that are doing the, the guys and girls that are doing the, um, it's like podcast booking services. It's always yeah. via email. And or it's email. Kind of, it's like a full on sales pitch. Yeah, exactly. It's gross. So, mm. um, yeah, I think that's a good one. So, Life With Your Dog podcast on Instagram. Check us out on there and DM us. But I guess, look, we were very um, mindful of not talking too much about what Pat was teaching since you want to learn about Pat, watch and consume his content and yeah. go to his seminars. And like, there's many reasons for it. I've we, plugged I, this I wanna... before, but like I would recommend to anyone go to go to Pat's website and check out his um, I don't remember what he called it. He has like one on, he has an online course. It's like 500 bucks Aussie. Um, and it is the recording of that seminar you went to yeah, nice. basically three years ago, you know, Worth cause it. he recorded the one we were at on the weekend as well, but obviously that's mm-hmm. not edited yet. Um, but sure. the, the previous one, you know, is very, very good. I learned a lot from that and you were at that seminar. So it's mm. basically like I was there as well. You know what I mean? Um, I've, I've listened to that multiple, multiple times and took away a lot of great stuff. So if you, if you, if you want to, um, like we're talking about here, sharpen the sword and really like learn about the theory of, of how dogs learn and how to do cool stuff. Um, anyway, I got a lot out of it myself. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, I think we should get Pat on or maybe even get sort that out soon as well because I think there was a few things that I want to actually talk about and, and help um, um, our listeners from, from that as well because when we've had him on, we haven't gone to the nitty-gritty about actual dog training. So that's what I want to do. Until then, I think we should go. We should wrap it up. Let's do it. Feed Thanks, the dogs. Guys. Welcome. I'm yep. done. I actually haven't had dinner yet either, so we should do oh, all that. You better go eat, man, before you um before you expire. Before I expire. <laughs> I'll be sorted, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm a night eater. I'm during the day. I kind of don't eat, and just at nighttime, I really? kind of feast. Yeah. I'm I can't. Not... I can't sleep with a full stomach. Like yeah, not really. an empty stomach, but like if I'm really full, I can't. I can't sleep. I don't know, man. I just feel like I forget about lunch. I'm like, damn, it's five o'clock. I forgot to eat. <laughs> anyway. Too busy helping dogs. That's it. All, All right, guys. Brother. Thanks for listening. As always, um, listening to us ramble on every week. Um, sorry, we missed last week. Um, that was like, you know, usually Panos records over the weekend and we were at Pat's thing and it just kind of didn't work out. So. I had a plan. I had the laptop with me. We went as we went away. I had everything ready to go, but it just did not happen. So. Energy wise, it just didn't happen. So yeah. we, we, um, we appreciate you guys sticking around to to wait for the next episode. Um, and the good old intermittent reward schedule, variable schedule of rewards. I hope so. you were watching, trying to download last week and go, where is it? We really <laughs> hope that you had that feeling, but yeah. you can report back to us. As Actually, it's been like a couple of weeks since Pat and Glenn put out an episode as well. So I just listened to it today. We're keeping you guys sharp. Exactly. All right. All right See you, bro. See you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. 
My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at kizuna canine training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.